Welcome to Mindset for Success, a We Global Studios podcast. We explore the psychological challenges that many successful women entrepreneurs face while building their businesses and how they have overcome them. Hello, I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen, and I'm very excited to welcome to today's show, Pam Harris. Welcome, Pam. Oh, hi, Leslie. I'm so happy to speak with you. I was really looking forward to catching up with you today. Great. Thank you. Pam Harris has been a marketing leader for some of the world's best-loved sports and live entertainments, like Madison Square Gardens, New York Knicks, and Blue Man Group. Most recently, she has served as the executive director of Photograph Fisca in New York to open the U.S. flagship of the world's largest photography museum. Throughout her career, she focused on helping women succeed in the workplace. Pam, I know you've had a diverse and international upbringing. Would you share with our listeners a bit about your growing up? Yeah, thanks, Leslie. Um... Well, I was raised in Brazil and Mexico, um, and I came, you know, and, uh, you know, it's really interesting because just that um, coming back and forth from the States to uh, South America really got me. And my sisters, I have, I'm the youngest of three girls, were just really interested in, like, marketing and advertising and how things were different culturally between all these places mm-hmm. that we were hopping around to. Mm-hmm. Um, I came to the States for college. I was on the West Coast. And then I came east to try to find a job in advertising, right? Because that's all I knew. I was so fascinated with uh, the way products were positioned and everything having to do with advertising. And later attended business school in Philadelphia. I was down at Wharton um, Mm -hmm. to really try to get on the client side. I just realized once I understood more about marketing that it was much more exciting for me to be on the client side because you start to learn how to run a business and you get to learn about everything it takes to bring a part up to develop a product and, and, and sell it and, uh, you know, create loyal customers. So I was able to get on the client side. I was on, um, I worked for Bristol Myers and Unilever and, um, then transitioned all of that into sports and sort of brought all that, uh, discipline and business strategy and marketing skills that I learned in, you know, in consumer packaged goods marketing into the sports world. Mm-hmm. Um, I've ended up spending most of my adult life on the East Coast. I've complained about the weather a lot after growing up in, you know, on the beaches in Rio. For and sure. I, yeah, I live in Brooklyn now with my husband. Um, I have two boys that were raised in New York City. And uh, fortunately, they're out of college. They're living independently, also in Brooklyn. And um, yeah, as you mentioned, um, I recently left uh, a really, really, really interesting job as the executive director at Photograph Fisca. So it was a real startup situation. And um, now I'm doing some consulting. I'm trying to think about what's next and Mm -hmm. exciting as the world starts to open up. I mean, here Mm -hmm. in New York, you can really sense, you know, on the streets, the difference in energy and, and everything that's going on. So I'm guessing, thanks also to your upbringing, but also to your sort of um, ambitiousness, that transitions are a strength of yours. Um, You know, that's a really interesting thing. I do a lot of yoga. I've done yoga for about 20 years. And they talk about, um, you know, in yoga, it's not about like the position as much as, 
you should also think about how you move into the position and out of the position. So it's not just going from one thing to another, mm-hmm. it's like the flow between them. And I really do try to think hard about that because, um, you know, it's not a just, you know, I know it sounds so trite, but it's not about just like where you get to, but it's like the journey there. So I'm not as uh, worried about transitions as, as I think um, other, other people and other, um, you know, I do a lot of mentoring and I see that a lot of people are very, uh, you know, maybe more concerned about uh, the risk or, 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 or making changes in their life. It's really interesting because I have two boys and one of them really, really, really doesn't like change. You know, ever since he was little, it was very hard for him. Mm-hmm. And he, he expressed it. You know, he was like, that is too much change for me. And so I really had to learn about that, that people really do feel differently uh, about making changes in their life. Tell me something, you were okay with change ever since you can remember? Yeah, I guess, you know, you just, uh, you know, when you're, you know, when, you, you know, my dad was moving around a lot. And so, and, you know, we grew up in an era where, you know, kids just did, you know, you just, you, you weren't, you know, one asked you about how you felt about something or tried to make those transitions easier. So I think you just had to like, just go for it and figure out what was going to be, you know, just, just, you just had to make it work. You didn't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. I think that brought a lot of, you know, I think that people that go through that kind of upbringing, you know, benefit. And I know you've spoken to some other women who have traveled a lot or moved mm-hmm. around a lot as they were kids. And that idea of coming into a situation, being very observant and sort of watching and listening and trying to see well, what are culturally like what's going to work here and what's not going to work. And how do I have to adapt a little bit or be flexible to fit into the situation? And also there's a sense of not wanting to give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And having kind of social skills that can bridge that for you, that you feel comfortable with that, like in a new situation that you can kind of sit back and and lean on the social skills that you have. Yeah. It's funny because I know you've spoken a lot to women about fitting in. And I've Mm -hmm. thought a lot about that because I, I, I never minded not fitting in. Right. Because it's nice to be like, interesting and different and in in a when I'm you know when I'm building teams that's something you really 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 want you want mm-hmm. uh, people coming from different perspectives and different um, backgrounds and diversity in all kinds in all kinds of ways but what I don't like feeling is left out that's really mm-hmm. hard for me I'm the youngest of three girls I think three in a family is three in any situation is is hard and it makes me feel really bad to feel left out Mm-hmm. And so I've tried to like, uh, figure out how I can work with that or work around it or, but in, but where I have control of situations, making sure that other people don't feel left out. Like, am mm-hmm. I really looking at it, the people that I'm managing and leading and making sure that they feel that they can bring themselves to, to, to work and be different and express different opinions but not feel left out are they part of the group are they being looked after you know um working in sports for so long i worked with so many men and i've never and i've never experienced situations where men really cared about you feeling left out like i always felt left out and that felt bad um, I was in Indianapolis once with a small group of like sort of the senior people at, at, at the sports team I worked with. I worked for the New York Knicks at the time and we were there for the playoffs. You know, very exciting. And we we're out for like this big steak dinner and everything. And I think I towards the end of the meal, I got up to go to the bathroom. And when I came back, like they were gone. 
they, they just <laughs> left. They left me there because like nobody thought, you know, they're just looking after themselves or maybe mm-hmm. looking up at the president of the team and making sure that they were on par with him. But if there had been a woman there, there's no way she would have left me mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the bathroom, you know? So I, I, I really try to look out for others because I don't like to feel left out. So in, I can imagine being in a female in a sports manager had a lot of difficulties and risk and maybe what was it to be left at a steak dinner with a bunch of guys I don't know (laughs) but um what what can you sort of share with our listeners when you get into these situations where you're clearly not like the others Mm -hmm. um, what can you do to make it easier on yourself well I mean I think that you know when you're feeling Um, like you don't fit in or you're feeling inadequate or, you know, having that self-doubt and you don't, and you feel like left out or like you don't fit in. Um, You know, there's, you know, some of the things that we always try, me and, you know, I sort of have a group of friends or a network of supporters that we always try to like help each other. Um, You know, one is like act as if, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I wrote a Doug's because I just loved it. It was Dr. Melfi wrote this about Tony Soprano. This was like her advice as a psychiatrist was like, act as if people only see what you allow them to see. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, act as if, don't let people see that other side. You know, they, they only see what you're showing them, really. You know, mm-hmm. people are, you know, people aren't looking that deep. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times... Um, we think, you know, and this is like something we talk about, I talk about with my friends is like having a theme song. Like if you're, if you're going into like a tough interview or you're sitting in front of a group of investors and you're, you, you don't, you know, you're, you're feeling, you know, self-doubt inside or lack of confidence. I always think about like a theme song, like what would you want them to be singing when mm-hmm. you leave that room? What would you want them to be humming? And That's a friend great. of mine said, um, you know, this girl is on fire. It's the Alicia mm-hmm. Keys song. And so right. in my, in where I worked before, when I was at Blue Man Group, we used to have that. We were going through a really, really tough time where we had a huge private equity team, that uh, company that was buying out uh, Blue Man Group. And um, it was a really stressful time. And we had to go into these meetings with these like McKinsey people. And it was really, really hard. Um, we were sort of... Uh, a lot of a lot of these like male consultants and it felt like very tough situations and we used to cue 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 up this girl is on fire as people like walked into that room (laughs) to just give them this like feeling of like remember how awesome you are you are like the best at what you do you know that in every other situation you feel strong and powerful it's just now you're going into a situation where you don't where for some reason you you can't summon up those same uh, Mm -hmm. qualities for you Mm -hmm. there's also one other thing Thing I sometimes think about, I used to, when I took golf lessons, the golf pro used to talk about like the photo finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's the same thing as a theme song a little bit. Like, so when you're, you know, you're taking a swing and you know how, like when you're first learning, there's just like a billion things mm-hmm. you have to remember, mm-hmm. you know, keep your head down, keep your weight here. Da, da, da. But if you just thought about how it would look at the very end, that beautiful arc of the, the club and how it ends mm-hmm. up behind mm-hmm. you, sometimes I felt like that would help. Mm-hmm. You also told me a story about when you were working for the Knicks, I think, that you learned to motivate your staff to work their best by giving, by asking for a dollar for mistakes. Do you remember that? Yeah, uh, yeah, this actually, I, I'm not, I can't take credit for this, but it's something I learned from someone who, who worked for me. And he just had a very easy, nice way 
um, we used to keep like a big uh, china, like a, a ceramic pig. And mm-hmm. if you made a mistake, um, you would put a dollar into the pig. And it was just like a really, really good way of self-correcting, right? Of, not self-correcting, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, you know, saying, hey, hey, you know, because on a game night, we would have maybe 25 people that were coming in for the afternoon to help us like move caps around the arena to give out to the 20,000 people that are coming in that night. And there were a lot of places where things could go wrong or people would slack off or people were mm-hmm. there. Or, there were just mm-hmm. like all these little things. And it was just like this really nice way of saying, Hey, you did it wrong. Hey, you talked to that person wrong. Hey, you weren't there when I asked you to be put a dollar, put a dollar and put a dollar. In. And at the end of the, the season, we would take it and crack it open um, on the on the street um, in front of McSorley's, which is a real like old, old, old time bar and just like drink the night away with everybody. So you could, it was just like a, uh, a nice way to be able to give um, uh, corrections or criticism, mm-hmm. but have mm-hmm. it really be dialed, dialed back and sort of in fun. And what do you do to help motivate yourself in difficult situations? Um, I think it is about that support network, um, Mm -hmm. that we were talking about having sort of that kitchen cabinet. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, first of all, uh, you know, cause I do definitely, you know, I know you've talked about imposter syndrome and I I don't really think I have like that. Like, I don't feel I'm going to get like, um, found out or anything. Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of people feel that way. I just have those same feelings of, you know, low self-confidence that sort of come and go, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. my husband is, I, I'm really, really lucky cause my husband is like, uh, my biggest cheerleader and, mm-hmm. um, we're both people with really, really high standards. So the fact that I keep coming up as like top in his, in his book always makes me feel good. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but overall I do think it's getting support from, you know, uh, you know, people that I've just built a network with over the years and, you know, when I'm going into a tough situation or I have questions before like an interview or a tough meeting, that investor meeting or whatever, is I can call them and like maybe run something by them or just give them a, you know, these people who, you know, love me and think I'm great, but I love them. You know, it is like a bank account, right? With credits and Mm -hmm. deposits. Mm -hmm. So you always want to be thinking about what they're going through and how you can reach out and support them. And I know people have all sorts of things like, send a note every day to somebody or um I read mm-hmm. something last a couple of weeks ago that was like send an email every week like one that says thank you to somebody one that's getting back I, I don't know it was just like a you know there's mm-hmm. all sorts of tools that you could do to like you know create that you know that good karma and support right. other people before you fun- suddenly need them and you really haven't been in touch or something and I think that you know, I think that that's what's really exciting about We Global Studios is the it's the idea of building this network for women that are feeling um, lonely and are working really, really, really hard and need that support. And so that they can be able to reach out and be honest and get that help and mm-hmm. guidance and support mm-hmm. they need. I mean, I think it's a really cool way to, you know, to do that. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when people are sort of going through difficult times and succeed and and they don't really sort of understand until the end how difficult mm-hmm. it is. Oh, yeah. It <laughs> sounds a little bit like you. Um, what do you think, how, how do you think you've been able to um, not consider the emotional and material dif- difficulties and get through situations? And I realize it's not for every situation, but for some difficult situations. 
Yeah, you know, I think that, um, you know, it's like the eye on the prize a little bit. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, Yeah, so just like, you know, just really thinking about uh, what 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 lies at the end? I think you're right. I think so many times we don't realize like how how difficult what we're going through is, and then at the end of it, I, I don't know if it's that satisfying to look back and say, "Wow, that was really really hard." But I think we should do it do it more and acknowledge like what what it was that we came through. I'm always just sort of looking ahead, so I never really look back and sort of you know mm-hmm. pat myself on the mm-hmm. shoulder, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for what we did. But it's important to do that for other people. Um, I think it's. You know, I think that's something that I really struggle with as as a woman. I do think it's is 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 taking the emotions out of things, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's so much more powerful um, when you can just move move on without that. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sorry that I didn't give you a very good answer to that question. No, no, but I mean, I think I think it's true that um, if we all stopped to think about how difficult things were, maybe we wouldn't continue doing them. So, I mean, I think that's very legitimate. <laughs> Um, but some people are better at not considering the emotional material difficulties during a crisis, right? And it reminds mm-hmm. me a little bit of, you had a boss, I think, um, at the gardens that really helped you understand that taking things personally wasn't such a great way to go. And really trying to kind of look towards being, um, you know, being not seeing everything as, as something that maybe you did wrong. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, I, I think that um, when I think back to like how, how I, that I, I feel like I was raised in a in a time and in an era where girls were really encouraged to think about external things, you know, like mm-hmm. to get validate like external validation, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that comes with so much emotion tied to it because you just can't think about yourself, and I I, I think that that's um, it, it's about sort of understanding whether or not you do it intuitively or you force yourself to kind of not look at the difficult stuff. When, um, I approach something, I try to think about it in, in a really organized way. Like I think that I learned how to like, you know, build sort of like goals, objectives, strategies, and tactics. Mm-hmm. So I think that I can just, you know, you sort of look ahead and I really recommend this to people is like, ha- have that sort of plan. And then, of course, you need to be like pivot and be flexible. And especially like for women in the startup situation, of course, that's like paramount. But if you just have a plan, then you can just like move forward with it, you Mm -hmm. know, and Mm -hmm. you can sort of take the emotion out of it. If Mm -hmm. you can sort of get everybody on the same page, like this is the direction that we're headed in. And you can take a lot of subject subjectivity out of it and emotion out of it, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. And I also think that um, in a way... Um, you know, coming up in situations that were much more male oriented, where emotions and feelings just like didn't come into play. Things in the sports world are very, very black and white. There's mm-hmm. sort of winners and losers in every situation. Every meeting, there's a winner and a loser. And it's not like really based on emotion. It really mm-hmm. is based on performance and what you're saying and the ideas you have. And so I think that that like took a, took a lot of emotion out of things for me. It was probably good boot camp. Exactly. It's really good boot camp. Yeah. 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 It was really funny because it wasn't until much later in my career, I was working at Time Inc. And there were a lot of, for the first time in in my working life, there were a lot of women in power, like women in very senior positions, not just in like marketing and HR as it was at the Garden. And um, I was in, I didn't have a lot of exposure to the CEO, but I was in a meeting with her 
Uh, it was a, a female CEO. And at the end of the meeting, um, you know how people just like shove away from the table and like leave their crap there, leave their mm-hmm. coffee mm-hmm. and their chair pulled out and everything. I saw her at the end of the meeting sort of, you know, she was like, you know, having those final conversations as people were trailing out. She went and like pushed the chairs in and moved the things into the garbage or onto the side. And I was shocked. Um, to me, that was, that would have always been the sign of a weakness um, that you would do that for a group of people. But then I started to learn that there was like another way to lead that you could have empathy and sort of like, uh, a care, uh, a more caring, mm-hmm. more empathetic way of mm-hmm. leading. That mm-hmm. taught me a lot. See, just seeing that, like, was shocking to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah, so interesting. And it really sort of shows the environment, you know, the work environments that people w- get, go through, mm-hmm. and kind of make them think that things should be a certain way, and mm-hmm. they don't really realize that it could be a different way. Absolutely, absolutely, and um, I love. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, you think about that at a larger scale, like the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you know, I can think of so many situations that I went that I was in where it never occurred to me that it was just like the way it was. It didn't mm-hmm. occur to me to like speak out or that I had a voice and it wouldn't have mattered if I had spoken out at that time. But I just love that women nowadays like you can't do that. You can't say that you can't do that. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you, you can't. Like, why did we put <laughs> and up I for so long? Like, I don't know. It was just like the way it was. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. And I think historical and cultural contexts make a difference, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they're definitely changing. They're yeah. definitely changing. Yeah, that's good. So we are almost at the mm-hmm. end um, mm-hmm. of the podcast. I have a last question for you, which is, has, do you think your upbringing has made it harder or easier for you to have a mindset for success? I, I mean, I guess both. I mean, I guess easier in a way that, you know, my family was always super supportive and, you know, we lived in really interesting places and I sort of always had this expectation that I could do the best and get the best and it was okay to want it, want the best Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. work hard to, to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, uh, you know, coming from, you know, a, a a place of, of privilege in a way, of Mm -hmm. course. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. in another way, you know, I grew up in a, a family of all girls. Um, my parents, you know, I don't think my dad really knew what to do with all the, uh, with the girls. Um, I, I don't think that we were like girl power and girls mm-hmm. can do this and girls can do that. I think we were really, um, in, in a way like very tied into like what girls do. I also grew up in South America. There weren't like girls sports teams and stuff like that. So I think I really missed out on that. Um, and I love when I hear these girls that grew up in families of all boys or like dads that were like, you can do everything. You know, I don't think my dad didn't say that to me, but he didn't say it to me. And I wish, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I wish I'd had that. And it's really funny because I ended up having boys and I always felt like, oh, I can't wait to have like a, you know, a family mm-hmm. full of girls and I'm going to really super, super charge them. Um, you know, and I, you know, you know, and I ended up yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. boys, I know, who are supercharged and super powered and, you know, definitely grew up seeing me and my husband completely have different, you know, roles in the family. My, my husband, mm-hmm. you know, is, 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 you know, we both like worked full time, but my husband did 
all the cooking, all the shopping, really managed the household in a way that I was never, I never was capable of doing, you know, so. But helpful. Yeah. So we're going to unfortunately have to stop, but I really yep. appreciate your time. Um, how can people learn more about you? Where can they look for you on the internet? Well, uh, I'm always at LinkedIn. It's a, it's a LinkedIn. It's Viva Pam Harris or just Pam Harris. And also, if they're part of the We Global Studios, I'm in that in in the bungalows there. You can always find me there. Great. Thank you so much, Pam. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure, Leslie. Thank you very much. This podcast is brought to you by We Global Studios, the first startup innovation studio and digital DIY startup platform for women entrepreneurs around the world. For more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit weglobalstudios.com. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knutson. Please drop me a line at mindsetforsuccess at weglobalstudios.com. See you next week.